Welcome to Redemption Unscripted. On this podcast, you will hear unscripted conversation to help you know Jesus, grow in your relationship with Him, and go advance His kingdom. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to episode number two of the brand new Redemption Unscripted podcast. I am your host, Austin. I am one of the pastors here at Redemption Chapel. And with me on the mics on this episode, as always, we have Rick McKee, our lead pastor. And then we also have on the mic, Jared Williams, our one of our associate pastors here at Redemption. And so we're going to be talking about the topic of versions of the Bible. So translations, all that, we're going to dive into that topic. Um, and so before we kind of dive into the questions, uh, if there's anything you guys want to say to kind of get us started, or we can dive into the first question, any thoughts you guys have to kind of get the train rolling here? Well, when you initially shot this to me, Austin, you remember I, I said um, one of the things we have to kind of hit first is the fact that the Scriptures are inerrant in the original languages, right? So in the Hebrew and the Greek, there's a little bit of Aramaic in there. That is what we would say is inerrant. That is what we would say is the inspired Word of God. And the problem is that very few of us speak uh, or read Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, right? So we have to then read, in our case, English translations of the inerrant Scriptures. And so the, the task then becomes... How do you get the most accurate, the best translation of the originals into English? Right? And so that, that's the challenge. But it just bears mentioning to begin with that the original languages, man, that would be great. Mm-hmm. But we don't have that, right? I mean, we, we have copies, but I'm saying we don't read that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hence the challenge, right? Mm-hmm. The only thing I'd add to that is... You look nice today. I like that shirt. Since this is only audio, I feel like that should be said. I, I, I appreciate like shirt, that, man. So. It's, it's red. It looks good on me, right? <laughs> yeah, and I think all of us, I mean, to Rick's point, I mean, we're, I think all of us have experienced that, uh, you know, you, you walk into um, a bookstore, maybe Amazon, you're probably not going into many bookstores, but, you know, you see all the translations and you think, okay, where in the world did all those come from? Like, I mean, some people might think the Bible was written in English to begin with, but it wasn't. Um, And so how did we get from there to here? And what do we do with it? So that's kind of what we're going to dive into uh, in this episode. So uh, I'm going to throw out some questions to you guys and let you guys bat it around a little bit. And we'll kind of see where the discussion takes us. But the first question I know a lot of people want to know is, is why in the world are there just so many translations out there? Number of translation as, as Jared messes with his mic. <laughs> nope, there it is. <laughs> you all right there, brother? We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll be good. All right, so a couple, there's, there's a number of different reasons why uh, there are various translations of the scriptures, and we can bat these around. So one I'll throw out there is just that language changes over time. So uh, a lot of people are familiar with the King James Version, but... Uh, that is a version of English that none of us speak. And so while we're doing this podcast, like nobody's going to hear, hear a thee or a thou or hash shouts. And, uh, you know, like we just don't talk like that. And so that might have been a, an appropriate translation. There's other issues we can talk about with that. But that might have been an appropriate translation for that language. But that's really, in a sense, no longer our language. We don't talk like that. So one issue is that language changes over time. 
think one of the most helpful things for me understanding is just understanding each one has a different translation philosophy. And I feel like that's a huge part of it. And I remember hearing it said this way, you know, I mean, got to travel to different countries. I know you guys have as well. And anytime I go, you're up there and you have a translator. I remember somebody saying this to me once. If I stand up there and translate and I had two separate translators in the same language, would they say the exact same words, you know, with each other? Probably not. (laughs) Are they being inaccurate? Are they being wrong? Well, no. I mean, you kind of already started diving into the kind of the dynamic nature of language. You know, they're both trying to capture the original meaning. But, you know, you can have different philosophies. And knowing and understanding what are those philosophies are huge. You know, it's not they're coming from different Bibles. It's different translation philosophies is a huge part of it. Well, that's good. And I know you're going to take us into some of the kind of three major breakdowns in a bit. So so we'll bookmark that and get right back to that. But that's, you're dead on there, Jared. Uh, another aspect is which manuscripts you lean on more. So there's uh, a variety of original sources and some lean on one manuscript more than another and that can lead to different modern translations and then the the only other one i i thought about and jared you might have more but uh, would be different agendas that can creep in Uh, and this is usually not in my opinion not a positive thing Uh, but for example uh, the NIV came out later with the TNIV, today's New International Version. And one of the major differences there was gender-inclusive language. Now, there are times where uh, something says brothers, uh, Delphoi, and, but it's actually uh, it, it, the, the appropriate translation is it's for men and women both. Uh, but then there are times where uh, they were making choices for us. So they were doing it, not translation, but interpretation and hidden in the translation. And so they had an agenda uh, of an egalitarian or a feminist agenda that they wanted to foist onto the text. And that uh, became problematic and uh, actually uh, caused a little bit of a stink. So sometimes a different uh, an agenda I have other than just accurate translation of the original. You see that? So now we're no longer talking about accurate translation of the original languages. We're talking about how can I import my agenda into it? And that can lead to different translations. I know, Jared, if you have any others in mind. Well, I mean, it's huge. Like, to your point, I mean, it is amazing. You go to a bookstore. We're not talking, you know, which one of these three. We're talking shelves of Bibles, not people writing about Bibles, you know. So I think, man, understanding a little bit of why they're there but even to, you know, as we'll get into, start moving along, okay, what are those different and how do we read each of those? I mean, yeah, hopefully we're helpful to that end mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, and that's, those are great things to think about. I mean, obviously, yeah, as we see all the different translations, we need to know why, but, but obviously the question, you know, some people may be thinking after that is, okay, how in the world do I think about, okay, all these translations, how do I put them into categories. So Rick, you mentioned a little bit, I mean, there's kind of three big categories, you know, we've kind of put translations in and they're not, they're not perfect categories by any means. There's some little bit of, you know, you could put some in different ones and it flows, but just to help us and the people listening, maybe think through it. I mean, I'll I'll let you guys share them, but, but what are those three main categories and what does each of those, uh, you know, kind of mean for a translation that might be in those? And if you want to give some examples, as we do that too, we can mix that together. So what are those categories and what are some of the examples of translations out there in those? Sure. Well, one of the things that's helpful for me, and we've talked about this a lot, um, you know, I 
I am not a black and white guy. I'm a gray brain, and obviously it comes the. And I think it's helpful. Austin, have you noticed that? <laughs> Very not much always so. helpful. Amen. Amen. The three of us working together. That's come out time to time. But I find it helpful in this way because in a lot of ways it's a spectrum, you know. It's not like everyone, it's this one, that one, you know. So you kind of have this, in my mind, that's how I look at a scale, you know. So you have kind of on the scale, word for word, um, and then to get into the fancy words, formal equivalency, you know, kind of a thought for thought, okay, is you're looking at, okay, what does it say in Greek? Okay, what's the thought here? You know, and that, as you get into a dynamic equivalency, and then more of a paraphrase of, okay, looking at, you know, whether it be this paragraph and, okay, what is this trying to communicate? So um, if you're kind of avoiding the fancy words, uh, but, you know, man, what is word for word? I'm going to translate, okay, this Greek word, what's the best equivalent in English? As opposed to, okay, looking at, okay, this sentence, what is the thought? What are they trying to capture? And kind of translating the thought behind that sentence. So that's kind of the scale. And if I can just make sure that's clear for everyone listening out there. So you've got basically three camps uh, that you have a formal equivalency, which is word for word. You have a, what's called a dynamic equivalence or a thought by thought, phrase by phrase. And then the third camp is the paraphrase. Uh, and, and Jared, I absolutely agree with you, though, whether the formal or dynamic, the word for word or thought by thought, there is a. It's, it's more of a sliding scale there than a black and white type thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so obviously I think some of us, as we sit around this table, we can, it makes more sense. There might be people that are listening. They're like, I have never heard of the three categories and they're thinking, cool. Now what are some of the ones in there? So, oh yeah, we didn't give you yeah, examples. It's fine. Right. We, we got plenty of time to do that. Okay. So what, uh, <laughs> I mean, let's, you know, think about the popular translation translations, like where would, some of those fit. I mean, you got your NIVs, your ESV, King James, all those. You got your NLTs, all that, all those different ones. Where in the world do they fit on the spectrum, as you called it, Jared? That was a good way to put it. All right, so some formal equivalents. Those are the word-by-word translations would be New American Standard. That's what I really cut my teeth on uh, since I came to faith and was growing up. Uh, That seemed to get superseded in the Christian world by the ESV, And uh, so that's in there. King James would be in that category as well. Any other kind of biggies, Jared, that would be in the formal category? Yeah, those are the ones. I was the same, you know, originally coming out, kind of NASB, ESV. And I think Holman or or the Christian Standard Bible, Mm -hmm. that's a a formal as well, I believe. Mm -hmm. Uh, What would you put in the dynamic? So dynamic, you're going to get into a little bit more. It's funny that... I don't know, I was NASB to ESV, but I feel like NIV for the longest time was kind of the big boy on the block. I mean, at least mm-hmm. most common, and that's kind of more what comes to my mind, is moving down that scale a little bit. You know, you're looking at an NIV that's going to look at the kind As of a dynamic equivalence. Yeah, absolutely. And that is the, the big gorilla in the room, mm-hmm. uh, no doubt about it. I'm trying to think. There's, for me, there's not a lot of... Uh, because the NIV casts such a shadow for so long, there's not a lot of other dynamic equivalents that that uh, would be well known to people. All right, and then of course paraphrase. We all love. Come paraphrase. on, these are the fun ones. Say it. The message, the baby. The message. Yes. <laughs> if you have not read the message, you. Uh, no, I'm not going to endorse it or not. <laughs> you do what you want to do. <laughs> well, and it's uh, it is great for what it is. Uh, it, to it's not a translation. 
It is not a, a scholar or a group of scholars uh, taking the original languages and say, how can we best capture this in English? But it's rather somebody taking an English translation and saying, how can I, I believe he did, didn't he? Eugene oh, yeah. my, my understanding is Eugene Peterson yeah. went from the Greek. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. Peterson went from the Greek. Mm-hmm. I stand yeah, yeah. corrected, right. But nonetheless, he took it. But he was trying to give the most updated, fresh fly language, and, and it is more of a paraphrase, less of a translation. And if you use it like that, it can be very useful. And you bring up a good point I don't think we covered yet. One of the things exactly. understanding of how they get there because one of the dangers, right, is, you know, you look at the message Eugene Peterson got one guy, and that's a lot to grapple with in every yeah. one of these issues. There are tricky things. You got one guy's opinion. Now, he's a smart guy that, you know, message aside, I respect and seems like mm-hmm. a you know, wonderful believer. Now, by and large, every one of these will be committees. You know, you'll have the NLT committee, the NIV committee, the ESV committee. And these are, I just saw one recently. I mean, we're talking 90 guys and so that's how, you know, they get down and you're looking at a committee of folks, which, man, all of their knowledge, and these are, you know, world-class Greek and Hebrew scholars. Yep. It's a committee that comes together and decides these to really, you know, give us the best chance of an accurate translation. No, that's a good point. And so living, I believe the living Bible, I think, was a paraphrase. Yeah. Uh, but the new living rolls back into, I think, a dynamic equivalent. Mm-hmm. So that is a better, that's, I, I have a lot more respect for the new living as a translation. Mm-hmm. And similarly, King James, we can talk about, if we have time to talk about that specifically, but of the new King James is a fairly good translation, I believe, and that would be a formal equivalence. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason I'm kind of laughing and smirking right now is, Part of the confusion of it is it's all just three letters. They all have like an I in there. I'm just wait, NLT. That's not the new living tree. The NIBTBA, you know, like TNT. Well, and then they have to update it, so they just add another. (laughs) Yeah. If I do one, I'm coming like five letters with mine, so it just stands yeah, apart, absolutely. you know, the five-letter one. Then you've got to buy a vowel. Yeah. <laughs> so be on the lookout for the new Jerry Williams translation. <laughs> yeah. You heard it first, J-W-T. right I've, here. I've used it a couple of times in sermons. <laughs> yeah. It's the J-W-T. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah, that's Jehovah's Witness translation, dude. That doesn't play well. That doesn't play well. Oh, it's man. funny I just reading this, and I, I agree with you, that the NLT, I think it has stepped back in there. Mm-hmm. Part of what they would say is they're both. Which every one of these, and it's helpful to even remember, yeah. all of them say are going to say, like, you know, we're the right one for the right passage. And, and I believe them. They're all trying to do their best to translate. So NLT, I was reading, just said, you know, they're whatever is most appropriate. So it bounces back and forth. Now, of course, it's going to be more dynamic, more thought for thought. Now, ESV, the same thing. I mean, just how language works. You can't always take one word in Greek that just is one word in English. Language doesn't work that way. Right. So even that, you just, to say word for word, it's a bit of a misnomer. Now, I'm sure they do a little bit of both. There's times in the ESV where you have to kind of back away from an exact word for word. So they both bounce in between. But, you know, for our sake here, my lovely gray brain, welcome in, you know. It's going to well, be more that side of the scale. Sure, and I think anyone knows that who's done, who has any other language. So if you speak Spanish, and maybe you're not a biblical scholar and you don't know all these ins and outs. But you've been in Spanish class, and, and you can't just take a word, translate, next word, translate, next word, and, it, and then put it together. It doesn't make a good sentence. Mm-hmm. So you got to go, okay, yep, those are the words. Now how do I make it make sense and sound right? Well, as soon as you do that, you're doing both. Mm-hmm. And every one of them is going to say, we do both and we do it best. Mm-hmm. 
There's no translation that thinks they did it poorly. Sure, sure. You know? Yeah. Now, even, yes. go ahead, bro. I was going to say, even on a basic level, too, you think of word order, right? You know, if you mm-hmm. took Spanish, well, you yep. can't just change right, this word, this word, this word. It would be nonsensical. You have to translate it. So whether it be, you know, sometimes having to add a word and at the basic level just changing word order. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah like for the where Spanish often puts the adjective after the noun, where in English we put it before the noun. And so you got to flip those. And it, so word order comes in. You're right, yeah. Now, for me, I have always been a guy that has gravitated towards a formal equivalence. And that's why I was an NASB guy, New American Standard Bible, and now an ESV. So our church is an ESV church by and large. And some of that is uh, I've sat, and when the NIV was such the huge gorilla in the room, most churches were using it. I would sit in sermons. A pastor would be preaching on a passage and say, okay, but let me just let you know, that's that word there is actually not a good translation of the original Greek or the Hebrew, whichever. You know, but uh, the, the better one is, and he'd give a word. That's the word I was staring at in my Bible. And so I'm like, well, why don't we just use that translation? Now, the, the slam against it would be that they would be wooden I just made air quotes. I don't think they can see that. It would be it would be a wooden translation that uh, it would be stiff and, and kind of a jolty, jumpy ride. I don't. When I read the ESV, it doesn't feel bumpy to me. Uh, now, granted, you got to be careful with that with a formal, and, and there can be some that are better than others. Hmm. That's the trade-off, and I'm very comfortable with the accuracy and the fluidity of the ESV. Hmm. Yeah, and that's. And that's good to throw that around because I think, you know, we want anyone listening. I mean, our people, Redemption, maybe you're not at our church or don't go to our church and you're listening. I mean, what we would want for believers is is to just know that. Like, we're, you know, we're not going to die on the hill of this is the translation. But we at least want people to know here's some categories, here's, you know, things to look for. And the nice thing is because of technology, I mean, you have all of these translations on your computer at your fingertips. So I think there's times in my study I pull up a different translation just to see how it's worded. And I think that's helpful for all of us. But you need to kind of know, you know, what what's the where are they coming from? And I think that helps. So um, any other thoughts? I got some other questions, but yeah. Yeah, no, I'd say where they're coming from and the dangers of each. You know, you sure. kind of mentioned, you know, more word for it, a little bit of the dangers. It just too wouldn't it it doesn't flow as well. And of course, you know, on the other end of the scale, when you go more dynamic, more thought for thought. Now the danger is, you know, you're over-interpreting. Like, when you're talking translation, the goal yep. is translating. Now, and again, we got to be honest, always, no matter what, there's, they're interpreting. Even in the most word-for-word, they have to make interpretive decisions. Wait, is he talking about this or this? You know, I mean, that's just the nature of switching languages. But the more you go, yeah, the benefit is, hey, you may smooth it out. Even think of, you know, idioms and some of, you know, the things we use in our common language that wouldn't make sense. They're going to try to smooth that out. But now they're going to, the danger is they're going to be interpreting. And now is that exactly what God's word is saying or did they make a choice? And so hmm. I, I think just, you know, we're, you know, sound like all we're saying the same thing. The Here's the different philosophy. Just know the philosophy and know the dangers and strengths mm-hmm. of each. And one of the things I like you poked at in there, Austin, is um, while we do have a translation, the ESV, that we use in our church most often, it's what our pastors are going to preach at, it's what we're going to put on the screens, it's what we hand out at our welcome center kiosks, whatever. At the same time, we're not going to be judgy 
on this, right? Like, so if you if you're bringing the New World translation, that's the JW stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You would know that Jared Williams, right? Uh, the Jehovah's Witness, I believe that's. So if you're bringing that in, we're going to talk. But but otherwise, like, uh, I'm in community group, and uh, the other night. Uh, Jim and Carol lead our community group. Carol, she, I, she uses a different translation. Like, I'm not going off about that. Like, she's just a sister in Christ. She's got a preferred translation, and it's a good one. And so I, this is where we can get too fussy as believers and, and make issues where we can calm down a little bit. It's, funny, it's probably even worth saying, and I'm guessing most people listen to this are redemption folks. You know, if you don't know that, that's our default. So there's a reason every time we have a passage in a sermon, we don't put ESV at the end of it. That's what we generally use, but sometimes you'll see that. So instead of putting that every time, anytime we don't use that, then you'll see us put, you know, okay, yep. that was from the NLT. So just for particularly redemption folks, just know that's where we're coming from. And even for me, a lot of it comes down to, you know, what, okay, if they all have different, you know, philosophies, you know, what am I doing it for? <coughs> now that when I'm doing a study, I'm always going to start with ESV because, man, I want to do most of that interpretation with the Holy Spirit myself. Now, if I just, if I'm trying to read more, you know, sometimes I just, it helps me to read a different translation because it pings in my mind different. I don't go into kind of automatic mode. And so, so some of it, okay, what are you, what are you reading for? You know, what, Mm -hmm. you know, what's the point? Is it studying for sermon? Well, that's different than, you know, trying to Mm -hmm. just read. Absolutely. Yeah. And I've heard people that, you know, like sometimes we do the Bible in a year or whatever. Sometimes people do that. And I've heard of people as they do their Bible reading plans, they will intentionally maybe one year do, I'm going to read it through this translation and another translation. And some of that's just like you said, like you're, there could be a, a, you're reading it devotionally and you're not really digging in. So maybe you're reading and you want to just get more, you know, of a thought for thought, but maybe studies different. So it's, it's good to have access to it, but to know why there's so many. So, yeah. So you kind of mentioned it already, both of you. I mean, ESV at our church is obviously kind of what we use. Um, some people watching this may may know other churches, or maybe they've been in traditions where you know certain translations are held as is the only translation. And <laughs> certain uh, translations, yeah. you have anything uh, in mind there? <laughs> I will speak for myself. Growing up in a certain uh, denomination that held up, you know, the King James is the only translation. You should only use that. I mean, that was. That was a hill to die on. I'm not that way anymore. So if you're listening, don't worry. Uh, that's not <laughs> Let me. Let the record show. <laughs> yeah, I'm out of that. But why? Why are we not uh, kind of church or kind of pastors that's going to die on a hill um, of a translation? And specifically, the one people tend to die on is King James. So the I mean, King that's, James. Version. That's really the issue. You, yeah. so you have a KJO crowd, King James only. And if you love Jesus, and if Jesus loves you, and if you love the Bible. You will read it out of King James because nothing else is Bible. That's kind of the thought that floats out there. And and Jared, I know you, you get spicy on this. You get you, you get kind of hyper on it in, in a good way. I think Rightfully appropriately so. So, <laughs> so bring, bring it on, man. Why why do you not uh, agree with the KJO crowd? Well, I mean, so you talk about the hill we die on. The hill we die on is the Bible and God's word. You know, mm-hmm. we're never going to back away from that. And I think you said out of the gate. You know, it's as, you know, originally written. Right. And so <laughs> the reason I die on, one was written by the Holy Spirit, obviously penned through men and you know, maybe for another podcast, but one was written by the Holy Spirit. One was, you know, the work of men. And so men can be faulty. Now, we can have great, you know, like you said, you, you look at these committees and we can have great confidence that this, this is a faithful translation of basic understanding, but one's the work of men, one's the work of God. And so therefore... 
you know, <laughs> I'm not going to die on that hill. And, and, and to your point, language changes. It's just ridiculous to think, you know, okay, this is always, you're transing into language. Well, if language is dynamic and it changes, then we have to adjust and update. And so, and the word, so silly. there were politics involved, right? It was made for a king. I mean, king James. And you yeah, want to make sure <laughs> that you appease the king. And by that, we don't mean King Jesus, we mean King James. And, and so that can influence Not the Not LeBron trans- James. No. Just, just, <laughs> to be clear. <laughs> to be clear. <laughs> Make sure. So, uh, yeah, so there, that can go in there. There's uh, different, uh, there have been more manuscripts discovered since the translation of the King James. So actually, our translations today with more manuscript evidence would be more accurate. And so there are a lot of problems uh, with uh, a King James-only position. It's funny, it's an interesting thought, because you think, man, the further away we get, the harder it's going to be to know what was originally written. The opposite is actually true. Now, if the manuscripts are further away from when originally written, right. you have a problem. Like, if they wrote this a thousand years, and you don't have a manuscript till a thousand years later, well, that's an issue. But actually, the more time goes on, the more we discover manuscripts, and they're older manuscripts, so that it just verifies and more and more. So yeah, I think I just saw a number like 400 manuscripts have, you know, have been discovered since then, like older, to be able to, okay, you know, reliably trust this is what was written. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and of course, one glaring flaw of the King James only thing is you'd better be an English-speaking Christian. Like, if King James only is the thing, it's in English. What if you're a Spanish speaker? Asian. Like, yeah, you just, it's silly to me. Yeah, and I think that's a, yeah, your word at the end is so, it's, it's silly. It's a silly debate people get into with that, and, and unfortunately there has been a lot of damage done in the church by people that hold to this position of King James only, and, and we, we're not that church. We don't want to be that. And I think one thing I know both of you guys would agree is we're never saying we're against the King James or think it's a terrible thing. We Sure, we think there's some better translations out there. We're mm-hmm. comfortable with that. But we're, we're not going to be that church that champions just that one or others. Um, In the same way, about it. we're not ESVO. Very true. Yep. Some of it I think is a helpful understanding. Uh, what are we getting at, you know? the authorial intent, you know, and as we look at it, that's the Holy Spirit. What is God's intent? What's the meaning behind this text? I remember reading that textbook in seminary, you know, the meaning of the text. So it's not just these words in these order. There's not a power in these vowels, in these sounds, in these order, which would be different than you look at like an Islam. That's why they, you know, it's, we will translate into different languages, but there, there is much more pressure to keep it, you know, in the original language because there's power in, you know, these sounds. We don't just, you know, it's not just these sounds, we recite them. It's, okay, what is the meaning that we're going for? And that's the power. Hmm. Yeah, that's good thoughts, guys, good thoughts. So one of the questions that might come up even, you know, as, as we kind of move out of the King James only discussion, you know, we've talked about all the translations, how we got there. We talked about the groups, different examples. Um, and people may have more tracks to run on now, which is good. But what would you say, like, if someone is listening to this, like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump on Amazon after this. I'm going to go to the bookstore. <laughs> and they're still looking at all these choices. And now they know, okay, there's word for word, thought for thought, paraphrase. And now they're more paralyzed than they might have been before. What, what kind of encouragement would you give them? I mean, what's some practical encouragement you would give those people to, like, yeah, there's a lot of choices. What's, what's the good about that? But how do they just 
pick a translation and not be paralyzed by so many options, sure. a buffet out there, I guess. Well, in the amount of options actually multiplies past just the version, right? Because you can have study Bibles. Mm-hmm. So now you have the ESV in the ESV SB, the study Bible, okay, which, of course, is great commentary. I use that. It's not bad, but you got to discern between God's word and man's word and keep those separate, right? Then you can get into different uh, n- niche or niche, depending on how snobby you are, right? But different niche translations. So the women's ESV study Bible. So now it's a Bible geared for, and then it just explodes. So you go on Amazon and you get what has been called the paralysis of choice. And the the way that I best understood that is by buying cereal. So as I've gone on mission trips, you go into uh, a less developed country, you go into their grocery store, it's time to buy cereal, and it's like, which box do you want, this one or that one? You got two choices, right? You go into Myers down the road here, and there's an entire aisle. And you can get paralyzed just staring at that, and you don't know which one to choose. And that can be our people's experience as they go either on Amazon or Christian book distributors or into a local bookstore, and they choose, they, they can just be paralyzed. And one of the things I want them to know is it's going to be okay. Uh, like, at the end of the day, the goal is to seek God, seek his word, and if you are doing that, and to the best of your ability, seeking a good translation, God can, you can get to God's word, and he can speak into your life. Yeah, and I think you make a really good note. So, there, there's different categories, there's different translation, but then there's different themes, and you know, you can have the financial one, the sports one, the student right, exactly. one, the college one. So anytime you're seeing anything like that, you can take a deep breath. Like that's not we're talking about translations. That's all the stuff, you know, you know, I've heard this way like below the line. So you have you'll have the passage and then the study notes below the line. Now, much less pressure, one, no, below the line, that's the work of scholars and men. Now, above that line, that's the passage, and that's actually, you know, part of the translation. So, I mean, we haven't named, you know, a thousand of them. You know, we talk about the ESV, the NLT, the NIV, you know, yeah. like, so in the end, once you go realize, get away from like, oh, like the Bible for pirates, the Bible for like <laughs> what, the, you know, once you kind of get sift through that, okay, there's not that many translate. Now, there's a lot. I don't know. My, my software is like 20. But, you know, I read the ESV, the NLT, you know, when I'm trying to read different ones. And mm-hmm. some of it depends on where you're at. You know, if you're studying, man, read the ESV. If you're brand new to the faith and you find the NLT a little more, you know, accessible, okay, you know, like make sure you're in, you know, fellowship with other believers, helping make sure you're understanding the text. But, yeah, it's, like you said, it's, it's okay. It's okay. We're going to be okay. Like, yeah. I don't want anyone coming off this podcast burning their Bible. You know, because like, Please wait a minute, my mind's terrible. You're like, no. Uh, now, could you, are there some translations that are better than others? In my opinion, absolutely. Do I want all our people to have the best translation possible? Yes. At the same time, I want to trust the Spirit of God to speak. Because at the end of the day, you're still dealing with a translation out of the originals. You're not reading the original. So you've already stepped away from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love I mean I love ending kind of with that hope. I mean of let's be thankful that, you know, we we live in a in a time and place, you know, our specific context where we have access to the word of God like never before because of faithful translations Amen. over the years and and it's easy to get, you know, we, you know, we do a podcast on this and there's people that debate this too long. I mean, we obviously want to share thoughts 
But we want to encourage everyone. I mean, it's it's about getting in the Word of God, reading the Word of God, understanding it. And we're thankful that we can understand it in our language and different translations. So uh, any other thoughts that you guys want to share about this before we sign off? I'm good. Jared, you good? No, I'm good. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in. Uh, Don't forget, we'll drop another episode next month on the second Wednesday of the month. Be sure, if you haven't already, to subscribe or to follow us. And be sure you share this as well so other people can tune in. So thanks for joining us today. We hope you have a great rest of the day. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others. To catch the latest episode, be sure to subscribe and follow us. For more resources like this, visit our website at www.redemptionchapel.com grow. We hope you join us next time on Redemption Unscripted.